1: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
0: Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Dalton Del Don, joined by our friend Marcus Grant from NFL Media. Marcus has been with NFL.com since I believe 2011. Um, He's a big TV star. You can see him on plenty of platforms. Uh, Man, I'm humbled to have you on this very podcast. Thanks, Marcus.
1: No, I appreciate the invi- invitation, man. Uh, looking forward to it. It's, it's been a while since you and I have had a chance to, to actually conversate, so this will be fun.
0: Yeah, so way back in the day, you were in the original iteration of a League of Leagues, which is this three-sport fantasy league that we've done. I don't know how many years ago that was, but it's baseball, basketball, and football. You wisely bowed out right away after <laughs> two years. There's been a lot of turnover in the league. It's been craziness, but I'm a madman, and I've stayed in it. And I just wanted to bring up that this last iteration, The Miz, won. Not wow. only did the Miz join, but he won, and he sends out these emails that I swear they're in WWE character. <laughs> I'm not even sure it's an act <laughs> at this point, or what, what is real life or not. But I know no one cares. I just want to say, well, you left this league of leagues. The Miz joined, and actually won, and I'm embarrassed. And I know you would have not let this happen if you were still in it. But uh, but anyway, nice to talk to you. Adam Rake is back is back in it actually this year. But it's a fun, crazy sportness, and uh, yeah, the Miz man.
1: It's a good thing the Miz won because it's not like he's a professional trash talker or anything. So I'm sure, exactly. like, as you said, you, you guys aren't hearing a word from him. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, exactly. I know. exactly. I swear he's in character too. Um, <laughs> okay, we have we have a tough act to follow here. We keep uh, because you released a podcast recently with your old crew from NFL.com. I highly recommend that. I also um, I'm with you on the show zero 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 on Amazon. Mm-hmm. It's a good recommendation. fellow TV guy. Um, so before we continue our position preview week here at Yahoo with tight ends. Um, one quick headline because this morning uh, Josh Jacobs stated that his goal is to catch 60 passes this year Marcus I know you're a Jacobs guy so this is just perfect so uh, the floor is yours
1: yeah no absolutely I mean this is a guy who was obviously a solid RB one already was kind of coming off the board Uh, I feel like he had crept sort of into the end part of the first round early second round and a lot of that was just based on the volume he would get of touches in that backfield and that was without catching a whole lot of passes in that offense I I mean look I will be honest and say that yes when a player is saying his goal is to do something that doesn't necessarily translate into something the team is going to do. But I think what, what is encouraging is... He's putting in the work to, to be more involved in that passing game. And it was, it was weird to me that they didn't throw him the ball because it was a skill set that he showed in college at Alabama. Um, and for whatever reason, the Raiders just didn't use it. I hope that he gets more involved. I hope that, you know, because they went out and drafted, you know, Ruggs and Edwards, uh, and Bowden, that, that, you know, that doesn't preclude Josh Jacobs from catching the football. Because if he, look, 60 catches seems like a lot. I, I don't think he quite gets there. Uh, if he does though, I think, you know, top five finish is not out of the question for him
0: yeah i had been fading jacobs but even if he just approaches this number and becomes more involved as a catcher out it's going to be to my detriment uh playing indoors <laughs> um just a tackle breaking monster yeah the upside's totally there for sure so i know, know he's your guy and that's good news because that, that's the difference between him being yeah you said like top five or a uh, mid second rounder you know especially in these ppr formats that are increasingly more popular all right let's turn our attention to tight ends um some would say we drew the short straw but we're gonna make some limits you know <laughs> most years you may say that but really honestly this year um it's intriguingly deep or at least there are a lot of i'm just gonna repeat so many look at this guy's metric workout metrics Because there's like a lot of <laughs> young guys that just jump out with athletically so i'm excited to talk some tight ends um We'll start with big picture strategy. Do you have any just general philosophy in this year and how you're attacking uh, the fantasy tight end situation?
1: I have had one of two philosophies this year. Either it is you, you pay up early and you get the, the Travis Kelsey's or the George Kittles, even the Mark Andrews of the world, or I'm waiting till late and, and like I'm, I'm taking those, those high upside guys. I mean, I, I was, I was big on Mike Kosicki, although I feel like his draft price is getting a little bit more expensive. Uh, you know, John U. Smith is out there. Hayden Hurst is a guy like Blake Jarwin, uh, another name that I've become a fan of over the last few weeks. So I, I've gone either early or I've gone late. The times in mock drafts or whatever when I have kind of gotten a guy in the middle rounds, whether it's you know going for a Hunter Henry and Evan Ingram, uh, you know even a Darren Wall or somebody like that, I just haven't liked the way the rest of my roster looked. So at that point, I've just I've just made the decision: if, if I miss out on Kelsey or Kittle early on, uh, then I will wait until the double digit rounds and I'll find one of those upside guys. And, and if it doesn't work out, uh, I can stream the position. And I haven't really lost a whole lot in draft capital.
0: Totally with you. Um, I'm just, I mean, it's not anything crazy, but I've just been heavy, heavy running back. It's such an important position these days, and wide receivers so deep. But if I were going to go with a different position, even before quarterback, I would make it Kelsey or, or Kittle, which we'll talk about more here in a second. But um, in general, I, um, I've i been fine with waiting on tight end, and there are just so many intriguing options. And uh, your uh, your middle tier might differ so much from the guys in, in your draft. Just, there's just a gigantic tier. Where you mentioned so many intriguing names um that are different from different draft board or different adps so uh let's start with tier one mm-hmm. go ahead and give you the floor with kelsey i mean it doesn't get any safer than this just such a great situation um i mean what was there anything bad to say about kelsey
1: Yeah, there's really nothing bad to say about Travis Kelsey. I mean, the guy's been a monster. He has been the preeminent tight end in fantasy and and probably in the NFL production wise uh, over the last couple of years. So, I mean, look, I understand why he's coming off the board, you know, early second round, mid second round. That makes a lot of sense because he is in arguably the league's most potent offense. He is, you know, Patrick Mahomes' favorite target. He's athletic. He can still get in the end zone. So, that's fine. I will say, I think this is the year, though, that George Kittle sort of takes over the crown as the top tight end in fantasy football. Um, I think, you know, between what we have seen from him his first couple years in the league, the fact that he has been a target monster for the 49ers, the fact that he stays on the field because he is also a good blocker when they want to run the football, which we know Kyle Shanahan wants to do, and then throwing the fact this year. That there are so many question marks at the wide receiver position for the 49ers, right? We know Debo Samuel is going to be out for at least a, a good chunk of the start of the regular season. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, the rookie, had offseason surgery, so he's still sort of working his way back. Plus, he's got presumably a steeper learning curve because of the weird offseason that we're having. Um, you know, I, I saw earlier that the the Niners are are talking about bringing in Tavon Austin, which kind of tells you about how they feel about their depth. Not that Austin is some sort of monster who's going to get a ton of targets. But they are trying to just fill the position right now. And so until they get settled there, I think that means a whole lot more targets for George Kittle. And I just I just foresee him sort of overtaking Kelsey this year and becoming the tight end one.
0: Yeah, hopefully we'll have some disagreements later, but I'm totally with you here, 100%. <laughs> uh... Kelsey's definitely the safer pick. I believe he's just missed what one game in his career. Mm-hmm. But I have Kittle ranked as my number one tight end, and I've gone on record saying I think he's gonna. You're gonna look back and actually have him be worth first round fantasy value just to, you know, the way he'll differentiate himself, separate himself from the rest of his position. And I know typically like the targets really aren't there to to match the receivers' uh, production as far as tight ends. Um, and Kittle is definitely an injury-prone. But, man, this guy led yards per route run by a mile last year. He has the most 20-plus yard catches in the NFL the last two years, and that's including wide receivers, and he's missing games, and he's playing with injuries. I do worry that—I'm um, a Niner fan, so I follow stuff closely— that he's put off this ankle surgery because he doesn't like it uh, t- taking off his offseason because he work out, workouts. You know, he does workouts like a maniac. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worry that eventually that will require surgery. But that aside— I mean, what you said it. I mean, Debo Samuel heard he's going to be the number one option on a passing offense that I think is just underrated. The Niners defense can do nothing but regress. That's what elite defenses do. It happens every <laughs> single time. And that's just going to result in more pass attempts from Garoppolo, who got 10.0 YPA in first downs last year. Second year coming off ACL, saw Matt Ryan won MVP or two in Shanahan's system. So I just love this setup here for Kittle. So yeah, you're preaching to the choir here. So I'm, I'm with you. And How high would you be willing to take a Kittle, though? Ah, uh, look,
1: I, I think I've taken him early second round. I think I took him with the third or fourth pick in the second round in a mock draft. Oh, okay. Uh, in fact, I think it was in the Scott Fishbowl. He fell to me at 208. Uh, and the, the response I got was just kind of shock from a lot of people right. that he fell that far. So, I mean, I thought it was a great pick, but, you know, it was just me patting myself on the back. When I got, when I got props from the rest of Twitter about it, then I knew I, I'd, I'd kind of done something good.
0: Right, because tight end scoring is a premium in that format, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Darius Geis in the, or I hat, I should say, in the fishbowl. <laughs> I, I went and I saw him in too many leagues this year because uh, no baseball, so I did far too many fantasy football drafts early this year, and I went and I looked, and yes, I have Darius Geis in the fishbowl. So now off to a great start. After last year, I believe I spent my first-round pick on Melvin Gordon before there was ah. any, hint, any hint of talking about <laughs> uh, hold out So the fishbowl, i not exactly uh, uh, stellar lately. But one other thing I say about Kittle, he scored as many touchdowns as Kelsey last year. Missed two games and led the NFL in nullified TD. So I think there's more mm-hmm. upside for him around the red zone. Um, Kelsey's awesome, though. I mean, I'm not d- not going to disparage him at right. all. Thoughts on Mark Andrews uh, Scored 10 touchdowns as a sophomore. No Hayden Hurst. I mean, I have him to me. Like I said, I have him as that tier one, number three, and then Earth separate. Or do you do you feel differently? Uh,
1: no, I, I think it's I think it's the, those three. Well, I guess Kelsey Kittle in, in tier one, Andrew sort of in, by sure. himself in tier two, sure. uh, and then we can get to the rest of those guys. Look, I, I, there's a good chance that Andrew's touchdown numbers come down this year. Like, I wouldn't surprise me if if we see him kind of fall to you know seven or eight scores. But if you believe this talk that the Ravens are going to throw the football a little bit more this year, then I think the target, the reception, and the yardage numbers start to go up for him. So maybe that starts to balance things out a little bit. But I, because I haven't really bought in on the rest of the pass catchers in the offense. I know people love Marquise Brown. I just felt like that like, roller coaster was too done. much for me to buy into. Um, this, maybe he gets better. I don't know. But even beyond that, there just aren't a whole lot of guys that are going to catch the football there, which means Mark Andrews is still going to get a ton of love from Lamar Jackson. And so I think he's a solid guy in the, in the third round uh, if you want to reach that high for him. Uh, and, and he's going to continue to get plenty of work. I think he's another guy with a very safe floor for fantasy.
0: Yeah, Andrews led all tight ends and fantasy points per route run last year. Now more volume. So I, I'm in. I, I'm a believer buying the hype. Um, Zach Ertz, uh, what more can we say? Just high floor, um, you know, followed up. What you, He set the NFL record for tight end catches, I believe, two years ago, 116. Mm-hmm. Um, well, on one hand, he has the best backup tight end in Dallas Goddard, but also arguably the thinnest wide receiver core to deal with in Philly. So I think he'll just, he's fine. Um, doesn't typically end up on any of my teams, but he's right there in that tier right
1: Yeah, he is. I I mean, my fear with him is, is Goddard and not, so my thing about Dallas Goddard is I don't think he is going to be productive enough that you're going to feel comfortable having him on your roster, but I think he's going to do just enough to make you frustrated with having Zach Ertz on your roster I I think you you throw in the fact that you know we'll see what happens health-wise with you know Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson I mean Jalen Rager is there and, and he potentially could have a bigger role and also throw in the fact that Miles Sanders if he does get an expanded role this year part of that is going to be catching the football so I yeah I think the the issue becomes if everybody is healthy and granted that is a big if there are so many more places for Carson Wentz to go with the football that it just makes me a little bit nervous about Zach Ertz.
0: that's a really fair point about goddard i just assumed that he would get the same playing time and he came on the second half last year but what if the eagles their their receiving court does improve and stays healthy um they don't run as much 12 personnel so yeah there could be could be an issue there i don't find either of them on any of my teams so far so uh it sounds like we're in agreement there so what are some specific let's talk draft targets and then we'll mm-hmm. go bus and some sleepers um let you start. Uh, floor is yours. Do you have any uh, specific uh, targets that you're after, Marcus?
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, either if you if I'm not going early and getting Kelsey or Kittle, then then I have been waiting. I have you know recently kind of been been drafting Blake Jarwin in a lot of spots because I, I think that Cowboy offense. I mean, it's already very good, and now there's a so much there's so much more explosiveness in that offense, right? I mean. I keep going back to the fact that last year, Jason Witten was the tight end 11 and he basically just would catch the ball and fall down like that was his his role. And I know that it says more probably about the tight end position last year than it did about anything Jason Witten did. But you put Jarwin in that situation, uh, and he's obviously younger. He's more athletic. I think there's a potential for him to really have a, a big year there, uh, especially if everybody is focused defensively on trying to stop, you know, the combination of Cooper, Gallup, and C.D. Lamb. Uh, then that opens things up for Jarwin to make some plays. So he's a guy I like. Johnny Smith is another one because uh, look, I don't think Ryan Tannehill will completely duplicate what he did last year. I also don't think he completely falls off a cliff. But that also means he's got to throw the ball to somebody other than just A.J. Brown, right? That offense can't survive on A.J. Brown alone, and... With Delaney Walker no longer there, that means more potential opportunity for Jonu Smith. Uh, I, I have been saying, it. you know, when people have asked me for a hot take, my hot take has been that Jonu Smith is going to win some people some fantasy championships this year. And so he's a guy that I would definitely throw a dart at late. And like I said, look, I'm 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 on the the Mike Gasicki train. I think like a lot of people, although I, like I said earlier, I think his draft price has gotten a little bit high. Uh, and then there's Hayden Hurst, who I loved Hayden Hurst when he got drafted. Um, I've been saying this offseason that the Ravens uh, hoard tight ends like toilet paper. Uh, and, and so that kind of made it hard for him to get on the field there, and especially once Mark Andrews took off. But now he goes to Atlanta. He takes over for Austin Hooper, who was fantastic last year. And I think you know, while the opportunities might not be a one-to-one comparison between Hooper and Hurst, I do think he's going to get a whole lot more work in an offense that's going to have a fairly high passing volume. And I think that makes Hurst a really nice late-round
0: opportunity. I should have pushed back more on the Josh Jacobs take because man you just named all the players I, I wrote down I didn't want to go over <laughs> these guys beforehand with you because I thought we'd disagree but literally <laughs> totally agree with you here I, I, I mentioned before how that mid-tier for me I've um is, is different for everyone I've adjusted my number I'd say numbers uh, like seven through 20 tight ends the most of any position throughout this offseason and I've settled on Blake Jarwin super high like number nine it's got to be the highest in the wow. industry um, Witten had 83 targets last year and Randall Cobb like I'm in on cd lamb too but those bo- they each had 83 <clears throat> targets this offense had 440 yards per game last year so there's a lot of room you know to spread that around uh, most yards per play um yeah jarwin is very good too i'm mean, so much better than, than the version of witten last year so i'm in on jarwin you mentioned yeah witten's carcass was uh, oh, the 11th <laughs> in, you said <laughs> yeah crazy um Johnny Smith, yeah, Tannehill. I get the regression and they're not going to score a touchdown every time they reach the red zone. But man, that offense was so so good when he took over. Uh, I, I think Henry's is going to be just fine, and Johnny Smith for sure. Because I love AJ Brown, but there's no one else really there. Even if Corey Davis right. dealing with injuries, so. Um, and Hayden Hurst, uh, big time. I mean, Austin Hooper was on pace to lead the NFL in red zone targets last year. It's the system. It's like going to Coors Field in fantasy baseball. Um, it's an, it's a narrow tree there, Calvin Ridley and Julio, but that's it. And no run. I mean, Todd Gurley got literally the fewest yards per out run in the NFL last year. So, and I think Hurst is just going to eat in the red zone, even if he's not, whatever, some super athletic guy and he was drafted ahead of Lamar Jackson. And that's the joke, but so in on Hurst, another top 10 guy for me. And yeah, Kasicki, I think he was top five in air yards last year. No mm-hmm. Albert Wilson, no Alan Hearns. I mean, he might even just play the slot. The concern there <laughs> was the coaching staff, they, you know, they don't treat the tight ends that, that well in the past. Uh, but, man, he, like I said, he could literally might even play in the slot more. Bad defense um, and it, the workout metrics. He's one of those workout guys, too. So totally agree with you on these four, man. I'm, I'm, I'm with you here.
1: Well, let me ask you this one, though, because... I- I keep hearing the name Eric Ebron pop up and I feel like he had his one magical season a couple of years ago uh, in Indianapolis after he left Detroit. And maybe it's because I have been burned by so many Steelers tight ends that I'm just having a hard time wrapping my head around Eric Ebron. I don't know if you feel the same way.
0: Yeah. So he's one year removed from 13 touchdowns and I never would used to be an Ebron guy, but um, I marked him down as a possible sleeper late pick that we could uh, for on my list. Um, but I hear you. I would, he's not a guy that I would, I'm actively targeting. It just kind of depends. But again, one year removed from those 13 TDs, and that offense could throw. It wasn't Rothsburg on pace. I think he threw the ball the most in the NFL he threw last the ball. Uh, I, I yes, feel like almost
1: almost 700 times. I feel right. like. So
0: I, I could kind of see a sleeper, sleeper there. Um, another guy who I like, I feel like more than the industry is Jared Cook, who really came on in the second half last year. The targets will not be there. Um, But all targets aren't exactly created equal. And speaking mm-hmm. of course, Field, like I feel like Drew Brees and, and, and the Saints, um, his little touchdown upside, he didn't click until the second half last year, but he put up big numbers uh, then. And um, I don't know, Cook's this boring veteran, you know, wrong side of 30 that I feel like you can get for cheap.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I, I will admit, like with Jared Cook, I feel like, it's when okay. I,
0: disagree. It's fine. No, oh, no, I mean,
1: here's the thing. I think when I when I think of him, I feel like I evaluate him more, like, anecdotally and, and with my heart than necessarily with my head because, you know, like, he's been pretty good the last couple of years, right? But I feel like we went so long waiting for the Jared Cook breakout to happen that we all just sort of were like, eh. And so I think I still have that that sort of stink of all those years of waiting for him kind of hanging on him. And so – intellectually I think I understand like yes you are absolutely right but I know my heart is just like I look at Jared Cook and I see oatmeal right like it's fine nobody 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 goes to a restaurant a breakfast restaurant and is just like man I can't wait to get some oatmeal like, it's fine it will sustain you it's good you're just not excited about it and I think that's that's how I feel about Jared Cook
0: I totally hear you and they also brought in Emmanuel Sanders and Drew Brees. you know he might fall off cliff at any second but the last eight games last year he had 537 yards seven touchdowns I mean 12 touchdowns uh, 1,200 yards, 14 touchdown pace for a guy super cheap that only came with 38 targets, by the way. So totally unsustainable. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Cook is a little underrated. Just the Saints, man, just so, it put up so many, so many points. Um, what about these guys the, with the, the crazy uh, workout metrics? T.J. Hawkinson, Noah Fant, maybe a target issue in um, Denver. And um, I also want to ask you about Tyler Higbee in, in, in L.A.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, Noah Fant, I was I was on probably earlier in draft season, but I just keep, I kind of look around and I'm not really sure what to make of this Broncos' offense. I know there's a lot of excitement, there's a lot of hope. Uh they're really kind of banking on Drew Lock as their quarterback of the future and, and I, Cortland Sutton's going to get his, but how everything else shakes out between, you know, uh, Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and Noah Fant. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not worried so much about, about Albert. O quite this year. I think that that's going to be a couple years in the making. That sort of concerns me. Plus the fact that they still have to figure out how to get touches for Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. I just, that has sort of gotten me to back away from Noah Fant a little bit. I'm starting to, to believe a little bit more in TJ Hawkinson. Cause you, you talk about kind of concentrated passing games. We know that, that Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones are going to get theirs. The question is, who, who else is Matthew Stafford going to throw to? Cause I like Stafford a lot this year. And, and so I think Hawkinson becomes a little bit more attractive, uh, because of that. So I, I, I'm starting to kind of buy in on Hawkinson a little bit more. Tyler Higbee. I, I I know that last year was unsustainable, right? I mean, what he did at the end of last season was phenomenal, and and that is 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 hard to imagine him sustaining that over the course of sixteen games. I do think there's going to be. There's some Gerald Everett to work in there, and I think of Everett sort of the way I thought about Dallas Goddard in Philadelphia—that Everett might not be good enough to start on your roster, but he may do just enough to sort of chip away at what Higby's going to do. Plus, the fact that the Rams' offense is is sort of an unknown—they've got a bad offensive line. Last year, Jared Goff looked like he regressed in a big way. They've got a running back uh, situation that has a ton of question marks between Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown, and you know, you name name your Rams running back—Gaston Green, uh. You you know, whoever you can throw in there. Um, there's just so many unknowns there that, that for me, Higby is, I think I just kind of have backed away from him because I, I want something that at least in my mind, I have a little bit more clarity of. And right now I just don't have that. Look, Sean McVay is the, the master of coach speak. Like he could really teach, he could have a TED talk on coach speak because he is great at giving everybody love. And when everybody gets some love, I feel like nobody's going to really get love.
0: Yeah, nice setup. He has his, his home. I was just checking out Hard Knocks right before yeah, he started right? uh, recording. I was just the first 10 minutes in, but yeah, he's uh, doing well. Um, the uh, Yeah, that's okay. Well, again, I, I'm with you on these guys. That's why uh, not exactly on my target list, but right around, they're not on my bus. Maybe some of them would overlap for you, but no, let me circle back. Noah Fant, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a definitely a volume issue there with a, a lot of competition for targets. He have some really impressive per play numbers and he looks athletically like he could be you know, top five fantasy tight in the upside but yeah there's so many mouths to feed and that defense could be pretty good too hawkinson um you know, covering from i guess uh, an injury that's it's not necessarily uh, gonna make him 100 right away but man stafford was just he was like an mvp last year in that offense before he went down and i feel like people are underrating that uh, people are all in on kenny g but DeAndre Swift could be a monster right away. Marvin Jones. I mean, I know Stafford doesn't run like these other fantasy QBs, but I'm in on the Lions this year, and that could include Hawkinson. Um, And Tyler Higby, I'm with you. I don't know what to expect. Do the Rams run 12 personnel Uh, because Everett's obviously capable himself. But then the amount of volume Higby got the final five games or whatever last year was just out of control. I guarantee he got more than the whole eight games I said of cooks 38 targets he probably got the last three <laughs> games so i don't know what to make of that situation i could easily see top five upside or him fall out of favor in a weird situation with definitely a shaky quarterback um sean McVay just man he he, he definitely is the reason that team put up point he put up points despite golf um all right marcus let's move to some guys we don't like as much uh if we haven't uh if an overlap for you but um do you have any busts that jump to mind
1: I mean, Darren Waller is the first one that sort of oh. jumps out at me. Um, you know, I don't think he completely disappears, but I think, you know, trying to match last year is going to be tough because the Raiders were smart enough to understand that they needed pass catchers, right? I mean, they they go out and they draft Henry Ruggs. They get Brian Edwards, who I, I really like, by the way, is a, a very late-round sleeper. Uh, they get Lynn Bowden, who can catch the football. And, you know, as we talked earlier, you know, if Josh Jacobs' wish comes true, he's going to catch some more passes this year. I mean, let's remember that... Part of why Darren Waller was able to succeed so much last year. By the way, I forgot to mention, Tyrell Williams is still there. He's still going to get some opportunities in this offense. Part of why Darren Waller was so successful was, let's not forget, this time last year, uh, the Raiders thought they were going to have Antonio Brown. I guess maybe this time last year, they might have actually moved on from him after the whole helmet and frozen feet fiasco or whatever. But they did think <laughs> that Antonio Brown was going to be a big part of their offense. And obviously him not being there left a huge void in what they were going to do. This year, if all these other guys uh, are able to contribute at any sort of level, that means the opportunities for Waller are going to go down. Now, maybe he, somehow he gets more work in the red zone and he gets some more touchdowns to sort of match up for it. But I just don't see that level of opportunity being available for him in 2020 the way it was in 2019.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, uh, he's great. Or uh, ECR ADP is like a top a number five tight end. I yeah. have him 13 or 14. I love him. He's a great story, man. I'm rooting for him and he's a good player, but... Even 120 targets last year, just three scores. Like, I, yes, I guess some regression, but some teams just don't score as many points or get thrown right. through in the, in the red zone. And you mentioned it. They added Jason Witten, drafted Ruggs, and Edwards, I'm with you. Edwards looks like the real deal. All the people that follow college far smarter than me yeah, have me buy in there, too. Hunter Renfro, who knows who's going to play the slot, but he's mm-hmm. still plenty capable. And Terrell Williams, uh, his feet, he supposedly addressed you know, his feet foot issues, and he might be healthier, so... Um, John uh, John Gruden's actually like about the slowest play caller right now. Um, uh, so <laughs> even that could be some Marcus Mariota. What do you make making him making him the highest paid backup? Is he not like uh Derek Carr? I can't figure out Gruden and the Raiders. It's such a weird situation. Now, can you imagine playing in 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 Las Vegas right now? I mean, just it's funny you go from Dire Oakland in that in that stadium now to a, a city dealing with another just you know tough situation. Man, the poor Raiders.
1: Yeah, I mean. I will say this and I say this to somebody who grew up in the Bay Area like part of me wants to feel bad for the Raiders and part of me is like you sort of have you sort of overplayed your hand multiple times, right? Like, I mean, they left Oak. Look, I am I am 43 years old. I probably shouldn't admit that out loud, but whatever, I'm 43 years old. The Raiders have left Oakland twice in my lifetime. They left, they go to LA. They sort of forced their way, strong-armed their way back into Oakland and destroy what was really a very nice baseball facility when the A's were playing there, have sort of destroyed it, and then were upset that things weren't working out the way they wanted to. And it was like, well, you, you sort of strong-armed your way back in, and now you have sort of forced your way back out into Las Vegas. So, I mean, look, I feel bad for the fans in Oakland. I have a harder time feeling bad for the franchise just because they have sort of made their bed over the last four decades. And now at this point, they sort of have to,
0: you know, live with what they've done. To be fair, the Coliseum has character, and I love that place. Always a special uh, place in my heart. But I- I'm, I'm with you on the Raiders, and I'm totally with you on Darren Waller. I mean, I, again, I don't have him as like a top 12. And he's being drafted as the fifth tight end. People, just the number one fantasy mistake is drafting off last year's stat sheet. Mm-hmm. And um, again, a great story, and I love him. But moving forward, I uh, can't see him repeating. Uh, one other guy I'll say is, uh, maybe you will disagree with one, is what about Gronk? Uh, I- I'm down on Gronk. I- I'm out on Brady, uh, fell off a cliff second half last year. Um, I wrote a column on it. I was called an idiot. 1100 <laughs> times. Um, so, I mean, there's the, the, they have two wide receivers on the Bucks that have an ECR. You know, they're graded by the, the expert uh, consensus rankings at top eight. And also a tight end, top eight. Um, and Brady at 43 and a half years old, changing conferences. Uh, really, the advanced nerd stats suggest he fell off a cliff the last second half last year. So, paint a picture of why I'm the crazy one and not the rest of the fantasy community. I think
1: for Gronk to be a top 10 tight end, he's going to be really touchdown dependent. And look, that's very possible, right? It's very possible that when the Bucks get in the red zone uh, and get near the goal line, that Brady looks for Gronk because they obviously have that chemistry. They have that rapport. But I think with the wide receivers, as you mentioned, that's where the big plays. That's where most of the passing offense is going to go. The other thing that worries me about Gronk and his potential touchdown upside is that they still have two other tight ends on that roster, right? OJ Howard is still very young and, and athletic. Uh, Cameron Brate has been a red zone monster for much of his career. So there are going to be a lot of options for Brady when he gets down near the goal line to throw the football to. I, I mean, I think as for Brady, I have him as quarterback 11. I think he'll be fine. I think he is the uh, he's the new what I call the the patron saint of the church of weight on a quarterback. I mean, he's that guy that if you want to wait until the double digit rounds, he'll be there and he will give you, you know, a pretty safe floor week to week. He may not be spectacular, but he'll be fine. And I think Gronk, he may end up sort of like Jason Witten last year, in the sense that Witten was kind of a fringe tight end one, not because he was necessarily spectacular, he was just kind of there and was good enough. And I think that's what you're going to see out of Gronk. I mean, they they may use him just as much for his blocking ability as they will for his pass catching ability, because right. they know He's they so can good. lean on they can lean yeah. on Evans and Godwin to catch the football and make plays in the mm. passing game.
0: Chris Godwin is so good, he made a single handedly make me look silly with a fading uh, Brady, <laughs> so legit. But I don't like saying anything bad about Gronk. I mean, he's awesome. I mean, I love watching the reality show. He looks like he's in shape and what, 31 and a half is not that old for a tight end. So could make me look foolish. But I will say the last time we saw him in fantasy leagues, he was barely usable. Um, And now a couple years has passed, new systems. And uh, maybe I'm just a bitter O.J. Howard guy, guy who drafted O.J. Howard in the fourth round of every (laughs) league last year. But Bruce Arians doesn't know how to use tight ends either. I don't know how much evidence we need on that. But I'm out on Gronk at his at his cost. And another one is Austin Hooper. Um... I mean, mm-hmm. this just seems so obvious to me, changing systems, going from the aforementioned terrific situation in Atlanta to outdoors. Um, I mean, Odell Beckham, a major target share guy. I love, jo- love Jarvis Landry. I know they only have two receivers there, but whoa, they are both target mm-hmm. hogs and David Njoku, mm-hmm. Njoku still exists. So, um, I, I mean, they play the Steelers and Ravens 25% of their schedule. So I'm out on Hooper. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that, too. I that, that felt like a move. That was good for real football. Like that was good for Cleveland for actual on field play. Um, because it adds, you're adding another talented player. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But for, for our selfish fantasy purposes, it just, there are too many other mouths to feed there, right? I mean, you didn't even mention Kareem Hunt, who's, exactly. who's going yeah. to catch the football a lot too, as well. So yeah, as soon as I saw Austin Hooper go to Cleveland, I was sort of out on him because I just felt like there aren't going to be the amount of targets that he's going to need to, to look like the player we saw last year in Atlanta.
0: Yeah, uh, exactly. Hunt and Nick Chubb will be a monster in the red zone, Mm -hmm. too. Like, you could get the touchdowns, too. And that's where Hooper, you know, really gotten a lot of his fancy value from uh, Atlanta. Loves to target those guys. And a lot of two-point conversions, too. Okay, these two, maybe I'll get some pushback from you. But I have them ranked definitely lower than the industry. And they're going to come back and bite me. Certainly one of them. Probably both. (laughs) And it's mainly just injuries. It's Hunter Henry and Evan Ingram. I'm the person who's ranking... The Gasicki, uh, Jarwin, Johnu Smith, Hawkinson's fans ahead of them, just because I feel like the upside's there without the injury concerns. And I could also point to other things like, you know, New York, I'm mean, Ingram's coming off of Liz Frank surgery and mm. a ton of mouths to feed there. Um, and Henry, couple mouths to feed. And, you know, man, Tyrod Taylor has has made a tight end uh, valuable before. But I just worry they used a uh, six overall pick on Justin Herbert and he's going to be throwing grounders to him come week five.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's my, I, I will say that I agree with you on Henry and it hurts my heart to say that because I've been a huge Hunter Henry Stan over the last couple of years, but there's just so much uncertainty for me there with the chargers. Look, I- I would love for Tyrod to keep that job all year long. I, I'm a big fan awesome. of Tyrod Taylor, and I, I would love to see him get that job, but I I just feel like Justin Herbert is waiting in the wings, uh, and they're going to give him the chance to be the starter at the first opportunity there, and that uncertainty really worries me about Hunter Henry. Uh, I will push back a little bit on Evan Ingram. I get the injury concerns. I completely do, but... I think that when he is there and he is healthy I think he's productive. I I sort of like what this Giants offense potentially can be because I'm I'm another person who has sort of been touting Daniel Jones this off season and I I think that that Ingram uh, provides a really dynamic target. he he is sort of one of those prototypes of that new that new tight end that move tight end that is sort of a hybrid tight end uh, or a, a wide receiver tight end hybrid um and so like i i get it i understand the the concern about the injuries and so i, I feel like if and when I have drafted Evan Ingram, I've also gone and taken somebody a little bit later just to have that insurance, just to have that backup there. Um, because like I, you know, look, I, I know people sort of try to be injury agnostic, but I feel like you are sort of fooling yourself if you're not at least taking into that, taking that into account with a guy who's missed so many games throughout his career. But I, I, you know, I sort of also operate on the, Hey, man, a guy is there until he's not. And as long as I can get some games out of Evan Ingram, I'm going to believe that he has the chance to, to be, um you know, if the cards fall right, maybe a top five guy, but at least you know a healthy season keeps him in the top 10.
0: Oh, healthy season could, yeah, make me look foolish. Top three upside. <laughs> Just because they have wide receivers there. doesn't. I mean, none of those three you know, are that big of alphas that deserve it over his attention. I mean, he could absolutely be, for sure. He worries me more than Hunter Henry, too. So, all right, maybe I'll creep Ingram up. Um, all right, <laughs> let's wrap this up by talking some sleepers and late picks, guys. You Like I said, maybe uh, Ebron was one possibility. I have a couple others to throw at you, but uh, I want to hear yours first, Marcus.
1: Yeah, starters. I mean, obviously, I was talking about the guy that I drafted late. I, I won't go through all those names again, but another name that has been on my radar uh, in the late rounds has been Ian Thomas in Carolina. Um, obviously, Greg Olson is not there anymore after so many years of being the man there for the Panthers, and I think there are opportunities, man. I mean, we, we know that DJ Moore is going to get his. We know Christian McCaffrey is probably going to absorb another 100-plus targets this year because that's just how that that offense operates, but I think there's some room for Ian Thomas to go make plays, especially if Robbie Anderson turns out to be a decent deep threat to at least stretch the field. Hopefully that opens some things up underneath. So Ian Thomas is a guy that that I don't feel terrible about. Um, This may be more of a hope and a wish, but maybe this is the year we finally see Irv Smith kind of get a little bit more love there. I mean, Kyle Rudolph has been fine um, you know, his his biggest contribution always seems to come around Christmas. I don't know if it's because his name is Rudolph or what, but in December is when he seems to come alive the most. Uh, at some point, I do think the Vikings may try to see what they have with a younger guy and maybe give Irv Smith a, a shot. But I mean, literally, if I'm talking Irv Smith, that is end of the draft, like last pick sort of dart throat thing. That that is probably the most I can I can expect from him. But but like I said, Thomas is a guy that I think does have some some opportunity. Someone actually recently tried to remind me of Chris Herndon uh with the Jets. And I just mm. I can't I can't touch anything that Adam Gase has an association with. And so that has kind of put me off Chris Herndon at this yeah, point.
0: Yeah, I mean you're right. It's totally the gaze stinking. Ryan Griffin was kind of a thing last year, but the ro- the rookie year he did put up some flashes and he has those uh the highlights. So I, I I've been buying into the Her- Herndon hype, but yeah, the Gase man, just you got to stay away. It's it's, it's right. just insane, and how much the players have thrived once they've they've left too. Okay, so Ian Thomas, yeah, it's, it's a great call. Um, Robbie Anderson could be perfect because he run those clearouts, he had a poor fit for Bridgewater. He doesn't like to go deep. They could have the worst mm-hmm. defense, so like to the set up there. Um, I'll throw a couple deeper, deeper ones. Um, CJ Uzama, um, he's free in all drafts. Uh, <laughs> so, but I know they have a lot of wide receivers there, but he's the only tight end, and that that offense could be sneaky good. I'm in on Burrow, and then Jordan Akins again, super super deep here, and Khalil Waring, I believe his name is, or for you Dynasty nerds out there, he's the guy in Houston. But Akins. <laughs> Listen, hear me out here. The Texans, I believe uh, Deshaun Watson threw the third most touchdown passes last year, the tight end position. And there's this like Darren Fells ahead of him, And now mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins is gone. So whoever emerges, if it's Warren or I think Jordan Aikens is probably the guy right now. He's 28 and he's, he's probably the healthiest uh, with most upsides. So if you're looking for someone super deep, uh, I will go there. But um, yeah, good stuff with uh, Irv Smith. Um, do you have any I was actually considering about there. What do you make of the Minnesota situation with Justin Jefferson? He played the slot a lot in college, and Adam Thielen. I'm all in on. I think I moved him as high as sixth or seventh on my wide receiver ranking. But do you think Irv Smith can uh, can emerge even with Kyle Rudolph still being there?
1: I think so. I mean, look, I, I, like I said, he's he's one of those guys that you talk about being pretty much free in drafts. I mean, it's it's worth taking the swing at, and like if it if it turns out that it works, then you look like a genius. And if not, like nobody's really going to remember that. Uh, I will ask you this question though: How is it possible that the Chicago Bears have like 11 D tight ends and like not a single one of them is relevant for fantasy? how does that
0: happen? Yeah, you (laughs) got to stay away from Jimmy Graham. It's crazy. I know they did have to have nine on the roster. It's insane. Yeah, I know, but it's really it's an interesting position though this year and um you're right though these guys you're saying you're like oh leagues it is a joke the guys i'm bringing up uzama and akins uh, uh, would you would it be against leagues making you start two tight ends because basically at this point everyone's going to come away with one of these upside guys jarwin is their backup i mean that's fine it's okay but i like these leagues with extra strategy the super flex edition um personally i wouldn't mind i played in them before i think there is enough talent out there to uh, you're not going to be your public maybe your home league but if you're in a competitive league go ahead and require two starting tight end positions think i'm crazy
1: uh no you're not i mean no i don't so here's the thing what i and i keep telling myself this every year right because i feel like we get to august every year and we're like tight end is deep it's going to be okay this year it's going to be fine (laughs) and then we get to like october and we're like oh it's kind of a mess because i I think if you look at if you go down the list there are right you've got you know maybe five or six guys that everybody is like, okay, this guy can be really productive. Then there's a lot of guys that were like, okay, if the situation is right, this guy can be productive. And I think, you know, the guys that we feel comfortable about, there may be 12 to 14 of them, right? That that we're like, okay, this guy has has a really safe floor. We're going to be fine. You don't need to hope and wish for it. The problem is you have those 14 guys. If if a couple guys get hurt, if a couple guys underperform, suddenly that 14 becomes like, you know, eight or nine. And then it becomes a little bit dicey and then you're left streaming again. So I, I think we all hope, we all want tight end to be deep, but I feel like, you know, we get to October, November and things happen because things always happen. And we're like, man, tight end is sort of a wasteland again. And, you know, we get to like week you know 12 and we're like, hey, go pick up Joe Dokes, who was uh, who just got picked up off the practice squad in Green Bay. You know, like, yeah, th- this is how, you know, Jay Sternberger becomes a thing, because <laughs> at some point we literally are scraping the bottom of the tight end barrel. But I do think in competitive leagues, why not? put that extra spot in there let's make people think a little bit more let's make people work a little bit more and you know hopefully that makes us all smarter when we get to this time again next year
0: totally fair point though maybe it's wishful thinking uh, a lot of theoretical upside and i don't care how many people have good impressive speed scores maybe when it's all said and done they'll only we'll be lucky if we get 12 of them that are you know fantasy worthy so that's fair but man i think on paper right now just with these a lot of those second third year guys seems to me like a special time at the position but uh but Probably wrong. Um, and and ultimately my our main advice: draft George Kittle, man, get him get him in round two. Yeah, He's get, gonna, yeah, just do that and forget
1: you know, forget yeah, all your troubles. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> Kittle's gonna go
0: off. Um, all right, man, thanks for talking tight ends. Uh, nice to talk to you again. Thanks for joining us, Marcus. Uh, Marcus of is on course, man. Appreciate Marcus it. on Twitter at Marcus G. Um, anything else you want to plug?
1: Uh, I mean, just you know, the, the the podcast right now is a couple times a week. We'll go to three days a week uh, once we get to the regular season. And uh, NFL Fantasy Live is going to be back on your TV starting Monday, August 17th, uh, as we start our preseason editions. So uh, in case you have uh, not gotten sick of seeing me on your Internet or on so- social media, uh, I will be on your television screens, too, coming up uh, in just a few days.
0: Appreciate it, Marcus podcasts. We have a lot of podcasts at Yahoo Sports for some fantasy baseball action. Check out Scott Pianowski on Yahoo Fantasy Baseball Podcast, where I drop in from time to time. Check out the Yahoo Sports NFL Podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Taylor, and the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Famel, and our friend Pat Forty from SI. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Dalton Deldon. Tomorrow, it's Matt Harmon who's talking with Greg Jennings. Yes, the Greg Jennings of Madden fame. And he also played a little uh, wide receiver as well. So I'm definitely going to tune in for that. Again, thank you, Marcus. Thank you for listening. We are out.
1: I'm Mike Isikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News.
0: And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News.
1: We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news.
0: We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering DC scandals. With
1: our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories.
0: So subscribe to and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at Pod.
1: Look around. You can find cars like these on Autotrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars.
0: Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Autotrader. Just you wait. Autotrader.